Welcome to the Author's Porch, where every good conversation happens. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride from author to author. We want to give you an experience where you learn and enjoy the conversation. Authors tell you about their journey, you learn about new books, and at the end of the day, you go home with a smile on your face because the Author's Porch is a beacon of light bringing you home to the family you never knew you had. We hope that you enjoy the show. Hey everybody, good evening and welcome to the Author's Porch where every great conversation happens. We are excited to have Jim Irving here on the show with us tonight. How are you doing, Jim? Just fine. How are you? I'm doing good. And we talked a little bit before we came out of the green room and went live. And guys, I actually have Jim's book and I'm currently reading it. And you are going to get a sneak peek of the book from my review in the April magazine. But let me give you a little more information about Jim. This is the second time on the show, which I'm I love it when guests come back because I only get 30 minutes, but now I get even more time. I get a second interview. I get the book to read. Like this is my, you know, my happy place. So guys, a little more information about Jim is he's uniquely qualified to write these detective books. Let me tell you why. He holds a law degree. He also spent two years employed as a private detective in Northern Virginia. In the early years as a lawyer, he practiced criminal law. So that right there, criminal law plus being a private detective, Joth Proctor series. I mean, come on. Who else can write a great detective story, right? (laughs) So, Jim, I... This path, that, th- this is book four. Now, this is, is this the four. last? No, this is definitely not okay. the last. The okay. fifth one's almost done, so there you go. Really? How exciting. Yeah, so exciting. I, I've been reading this one, and I'm not going to give too much away because they're going to have to read the magazine and read the review, and and I'm just going to let them know that it's it, it's so smooth and the characters are so relatable like you they're they're identifiable from the moment they start you start reading about them in the books how do you make them so identifiable i'll tell you one thing that's helped a lot this is the fourth book and when you have developed you as you probably know or may know the each of the books contains five six seven characters that continue throughout all the books and uh, they're central to the plot and the interrelations of the characters are, are central to the stories. So I think as I've gotten to know them better, that is the characters and the relationships better, it's been um, maybe easier for me to know what they would or wouldn't do in a given circumstance. And maybe it makes it seem even more real because it's more real to me. Okay. And where did you get the idea of Joth Proctor? Well, I think, um, it probably even goes back to college when I was an English major and I've always wanted to write books. Um, but uh, it's not that easy to do. And so uh, um, I didn't, didn't want to have a desk job out of college. So I became a private detective. I wanted to do something kind of exciting. But even then I, I thought that those 
that job and the adventures that arose out of that job, and there were adventures, might someday lead to some stories. And so I, I kept track of what I was doing and what I was experiencing in my younger days as a lawyer and as a private detective, and I um, always was thinking about how uh, these things could interrelate. And, you know, finally, I just kind of coalesced. Now, was it adventurous? As a private uh, detective? Being a private, yeah, was, was it a lot of adventures? Um, you know, I tell people who ask me, I always tell them the same thing. The job was uh, boring, uh, dangerous sometimes, mm. and um, dull. But the best day as a private and like once a week, something would happen, which would be, you know, off the, off the charts, crazy and exciting and usually fun. And I tell people that the best day as a private detective is better than the best day as a lawyer. And really? I think that's because as a, as a lawyer, you know, you're operating within the ethical rules and the procedural rules and the evidentiary rules to solve a problem that's brought to you. When you're a private detective, there are no rules. You make Ooh. up the path to your solution. And so when it works out and when it clicks and when it, you are successful, it's, uh, it's a satisfying feeling way beyond anything that you get. I mean, I, I've loved practicing law and I've had um, satisfaction from it, but <laughs> private detectives, now maybe this is also the fact that I was doing this when I was 21 years old and I look back on it with kind of rose-colored glasses. I understand that's a possibility, but yeah. there were some pretty heady times in those days. Wow. Now, did you mold the character Joth Proctor after yourself or after another person or a culmination of it? Absolutely not. Um, Joth Proctor and I have similarities. And I think the reason that's true is because when you create a character, you sort of need a baseline of things yeah. in common so mm -hmm. that when you develop them, you, you know, you can come back to where he comes from. So we both come from the same part of the country, mm -hmm. northern, northeastern Massachusetts. We're both lawyers. Um, uh, but other than things like that, no, I, I started with that and we went to the same, went to the same college, but beyond that, it's somebody that I have molded from my imagination and from my experience with other people that I've known. Okay. So he's, he's a culmination of your experience in life. Absolutely. Oh, Absolutely. very interesting. So I want to go back to your college. You said that you started as an English major. That was. So I'm trying to connect the dots from an English major to a private detective to a lawyer to an author. There's been a lot of talk recently about STEM and, and the uh, pursuit of undergraduate degrees that are designed to get you jobs. I think that's all great. But I'm a big fan of liberal arts education and English major. Yeah. And I went to college knowing that even then that English majors weren't really the path to a career per se, unless mm -hmm. you want to teach. And I really didn't want to do that. But I just thought it was a very rich and rewarding study. And uh, I think it opens up a lot of your eyes to a lot of things about life. And I don't regret having studied English. But then when you're done with that, okay, now what are you going to do? Yeah. But I think having read so many great authors in school and you know, since school, I've often looked at how stories are told, how characters are developed, and I'm sure that that's had a uh, major impact on how I've gone about developing my characters. Very interesting. My my son is an English major, 
That's what he graduated. And his path was going to be teaching. But right when he went into the student teaching was when he said, okay, this isn't for me. So now he's pursuing his master's degree in something else. But you're right. I think that um, there is a huge emphasis on get a degree that will translate into a job. And I was always told, just get the bachelor's degree in something. Because most of the time you won't ever work in the field that you actually have the degree in. <laughs> so um, I, I think it's it's fascinating people's path in life. Um, when you became a lawyer, did you feel that that stifled some of your creativity, or do you feel that you you were given more creativity because you you were shown more? Well, I was trial lawyer for the first half of my career, and, and that mm -hmm. is a very creative occupation because mm -hmm. uh, you've got to take facts that you're given and you've got to present them in a way which engages either a judge or, the, or a jury or the opposing lawyer in a way that persuades them that what you're telling them you know, makes sense, is true, is, is the path that should be followed. So I think if you have um, the creativity, it's a great asset for a lawyer. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. When when you thought of the the series idea, were you still practicing law? I'm still practicing law, actually. Oh. Uh, on a part-time basis. I I've certainly yeah. cut back um since started writing these books, but um yeah, I uh I guess I got to the point in my law career where I was, you know, said to myself, hey, I've been talking about being a writer all these years. It's time to either fish or cut bait, mm -hmm. as they say, where I come from. So um, I put my head down and wrote a book. And uh, my agent uh, said to me, you need to have a series of books. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I said, well, all right. So I wrote a second one, friend of a friend. I was friends like these and then friend of a friend. And I come up with an outline for the third book. And that was how we sold the series to the publisher. Wow. And um, uh, after the third book, uh, the publisher said, you know, I'll give you another three book contract. And I said, I, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I got three more books in me. <laughs> so I, you know, I wrote the fourth book, which you're holding your hand right now. And um, yeah. I'm well on the way to finishing the, the next one. And I, I think now that um, I don't, I think I can continue this for a while. I think I've yeah. developed, I, I have enough material after all my years of practicing law and I've got the characters well enough developed that I think I can yeah, keep doing this for the foreseeable future. I hope so. Do they, do the stories kind of develop on their own or do you feel like sometimes you're developing them? Because I know a lot of authors yeah. say that the, the stories, the, the characters are just like saying, hey, write this down. This is what's happening. Other authors are saying that they're making them up. Well, the characters won't do, maybe in the first book, you can make them do what you want. But once you've established who they are, they almost won't do what is not within their character. So they do take you on certain paths. But, you know, you need a story. You usually need two or three or four different storylines that weave together and integrate each of those lines will, will involve one or two or, th or two or three characters and you try to tie it all up at the end which is the hard part but you know the stories uh, sometimes come out of my experiences at least at the start mm -hmm. but they're modified by um the characters that are living those stories as i write them 
And you're right. You know, I, I, um, if I get stuck, uh, I'll go lie in the hammock or I'll ride my bike or go for a walk. And, you know, sooner or later, you may wake up in the middle of the night and you figure out, okay, this is how it has to go. And that happens a lot. And, <laughs> and you have to be very patient with it, you know, and you have to like to do it, which I do. Yeah. But that is the process for me. That's how it works for me. Yeah. A lot of people create a writing schedule where they say, I have to get specific words a day. I have to write on specific days. Do you do that? Or you do, do you allow the creativity to determine when you're writing? I really don't do that. And I understand that most people do. And I think the reason I don't is because I don't enjoy it so much that I don't uh, feel the need to force it. You know, I'm almost... I spend a lot of time thinking about this stuff um, yep. and I'll just, you know, drop what I'm doing and write down something frequently throughout the day. My wife thinks I'm nuts and she's probably right. <laughs> but, you know, um, if you have uh, that much of an interest in doing it and that much of enjoyment from it, I don't think you need to force it because you're, you're going to, that's what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way. I, I think for about almost a year, I started doing the forcing thing and creating these habits and I lost that, that joy of the creativity. And I felt like it was the business side of it. And I, mm. I was like, well, I don't want to do it anymore. It, it, it's too yucky. So I've, I've recently went back to the joy of it and allowing when a character wakes me up in the middle of the night, basically gnawing in my brain saying, Hey, I got something to tell you. It's a little yeah. secret. You could tell other people later, but right now let's, let's talk and not like I'm verbally hearing them, but you know what I mean? <laughs> then, then you write that down. That's the, the beauty and the creativity. Do your characters sway you in one way when you're, you're kind of telling them this would make a bigger impact? I don't tell them anything, but I, I have woken <laughs> up many times and, and had an idea. And I thought to myself, I do not want to get out of bed at three o'clock in the morning and write this down. But I know if I don't, I will not remember it in the morning. Yep. So, you know, you got to get up and you find a piece of paper and you jot it down. And in the morning you look at it and go, what? What's that say? But usually it's enough to trigger the memory and I can get back on track with it again. But um, you got you to write that down, no matter what you're doing. I have um, a pad of paper and a pen right next to me at all times. I was actually grabbing my note, my notebook here so I could write you because before we went live, everybody, uh, we were having technical difficulties with um, the headphones. So I was going to write you a note to say, go look at the private chat so I could tell you what I was trying to say. Uh, but I keep a notepad here and my computer's right next to me on a stand where, where I sleep at as well. So I can, open it up because I've found the same exact thing. And if I have to move too far or too much, then I won't be able to go back to sleep. And um, then I'm up for the day. I, well, and before I used to be up at two o'clock in the morning and up for the entire day. That doesn't work. <laughs> no, it, it made for a very exhausted me for many, many years. So <laughs> how long does it take you to write one of your books? Well, it's difficult to say when the process starts and when it ends sometimes. Mm. But um, I've written all four of these books now in about five years. Okay. Uh, maybe six at the outside, mm -hmm. I think. And, um, you know, one just has flowed into the other. Um, really? Yeah. And um, 
I would say I, it's not like I don't spend a lot of time on it. So they may be, I mean, I think the period of time in which I get a book completed, it seems like it's pretty short, but um, it's, it encompasses a lot of hours of, uh, you know, the pleasure of doing it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Who's your favorite character in of all of the ones in your books? I only have one child, but I understand if you ask a person with more than one child who their favorite kid is, it's a very difficult question. You know? yeah. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't know that I can answer that question honestly. Um, <laughs> the characters are all uh, ethically challenged people who face um, challenges of that sort in the course of these stories. You know, what's the right mm-hmm. thing to do? Am I going to do it? which are two separate questions. And each of them handles those challenges in a different way. Each of them is uh, more or less ethics than others. And so um, I, don't, I just don't know. I think that they work, be- they're best understood as fitting together as a, almost like a team of people who interact in this community where they all live. And, um, or you could look at them maybe as like an offensive line. If, you, if somebody's hurt on the offensive line, you put somebody else in, your blocking schemes are going to, to use a football analogy, are going to collapse and you're not going to be as effective. So, you know, I need all of them. Although occasionally I kill somebody off, but usually um, that's a very difficult, that's always a very difficult decision. Yeah. And across the, the four books so far, you said you had six characters or are they the same yeah. across? Yeah, there are, um, I don't know if it's six or seven or, or what it is, but there are many characters. Well, of course, there are a number of minor characters who reappear as well. And this, right. these books take place in a, in a year, within a year's period. And it's a small community. And so they're all, they all know each other. They all interact with each other. And um, they all relate to each other in different ways. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. What do you think is one of the hardest parts of writing your series? What has been the most difficult aspect of writing your series? Wow, that's a difficult question. Maybe it's answering and, questions like that. And, <laughs> and yeah, I, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> or I mean, maybe you haven't had a real difficult part, like you said, uh, writing it. It's just flowed out of you. Maybe. Well, no, I don't want to suggest it's a... easy. I don't want to suggest it's easy. Well, I just it's not it's not it's not unpleasant. You know, work is not work if you like doing it. I, I think that's the best way to look at it. So yeah. yeah, I have a lot of times when I'm really frustrated. I get it happens almost every time, every book. You get to some point. And it's just not working. It's not fitting together. Yeah. This, this does, you can't get from, from here to there as it is now. Now what? Mm. And that, you know, that's going to be a frustrating two weeks or three weeks or whatever it is. And, mm. you know, you can't, as I say, you can't force it. You have to just keep, keep thinking about it, keep trying new combinations, move something around, try something else. And um, maybe in the middle of the night, you know, the answer comes to you. So far, I've been fortunate that I've at least, you haven't read the books yet, so you don't know, but I think I figured out ways to put these pieces together in these four books. And in the fifth book that I'm writing now, I'm going through that same process. But um, I think I'm getting there. Yeah, the, I've, I've had pieces that I've worked on where I've got to that stuck point. And ha- with the anxiety that I deal with, I, I sat there and I was like, oh my, I I don't know where to go. And I couldn't get past that point. And I thought, I'm done. As a writer, I have nothing left. That's a very discerning part place to be in. And I, I agree with you that that 
that's a very uncomfortable feeling. Yeah, that's the hardest <laughs> place to be, and that and that is difficult, and it happens all the time. And but I just think you just have to to wait it out, stick with it, um, keep thinking about it, not forcing it, and you know it, it'll come. Yeah. So with with book number four, what what can I expect? Can you give me a little bit of something that I can expect? I'm gonna read it obviously, but can, what can others expect without giving away too much? Cause we want yeah. them to go and read it as well. But the problem is not, not telling, I, I don't want to tell you anything that's going to make the story less surprising or interesting as it goes along. It does derive from an actual historical event that um, a lot of people are familiar with uh, a crime, which has never been solved. And, um, which I, as a Bostonian native, I'm, I'm familiar with. And I, I, I worked the story around that historical event. And, oh. they, and it's not about this, uh, this crime itself. It's about yeah. the effect of it on some people. Okay. So I don't know. I think that um, the fact, this is the one that, that, that does, of the four, it's the only one that arises out of an actual historic event. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, that made it fun for me. But I spent a lot of time researching that and looking into it. And I think it'll, if I told you what it was, it might take away some of the. uh, Right. Yeah. So say no more than that. But what you just said has me, my eyes bulging and has me hooked because one, I'm a huge history buff. Two, I'm a true crime buff. So like those two things put together and I'm like friend of the devil I may have to be to because I need to read this. I have a friend who lives up in Massachusetts, uh, Sue Ward Paquin, if I said that right. So I'm going to have to send her a message after this, and I'm going to say, Sue, I'm going to ask her, Sue, what is it? I'm going to ask her what the event is. <laughs> well, when you, because when I'm you read the book, also, you'll know what it was at that point. And it's okay. Not like it's, it's not like a secret once you've read it. Um, I know, but, but I, I just don't want to spring like, it on you now. Yeah, because, well, I'm also one of those people that, I as a kid, I went in, I think I was 14, I went into underneath the Christmas tree when my parents was away, and I was the kid that got the steamer and opened up all the presents and then quickly put them back. So, of course, I try to find, you know, secrets and stuff like that, but it, that sounds so interesting. And I love that you said that it's not the event itself, but it's how it affected everybody else that's very that's that's clever that's very clever i hope you have to finish the book (laughs) yeah well we're going to definitely find out because it's going to be in the uh, april edition that comes out on the first of april the author's porch magazine and uh, we're going to put snippets of this interview in there as well because i'm i'm having a great time but book five Hmm. where's book five taking us well, book five takes place in uh, the late fall. This, this takes place over the course of a year, starting mm-hmm. in the winter of the same year. And now we're into um, election season. And Heather, who's the ex-girlfriend of Jaws and the chief prosecutor in the county, is up for re-election. And that's a complication that, that ensues. And um, um, somebody gets killed. What a surprise. And... Uh, <laughs> 
you know, we have to figure out how that uh, affects the various parties. And one of the things that you, you try, you need to try to do, I need to try to do is try to involve, you know, all the same characters in whatever the story I'm going to tell, whatever the central crime is, I have to find ways to bring in the guy who runs the topless bar, who's one of the repeating characters and the, you know, the gambler and career criminal who's also Joff's client. And, you know, um, E.P. Tran, the private detective, who's also Joff's landlord. So these people yeah. have got to find roles in these stories as I write them. And, um, you know, that's, that's one of the things that's enjoyable for me is, is you start with this central story. And this, the new book's called uh, A Friend in the Bullseye. And, uh, okay, here's the story. And now how am I going to get these guys into it and flesh it out so that more things are happening? Yeah, that's, that's been fun. And this one, um, Friend of the Devil, has this one been released or is it releasing? Yes, it was released last week. Well, this week. Okay, this just week. last week. Yeah. Very cool. Awesome. And when is book five coming out? Do you have a release date for that one yet? No, I do not. I don't even have uh, have it finished yet. So I'm, uh, you know, yeah, I, I talk about it. it's almost done, but it's I, like a lot of things. Uh, it might be the last, you know, 15 yards. That's the hardest of all. <laughs> and so I, I don't think I can say it's done till it's done. You know, I might find I went up against the brick wall here. and But I, I feel good about it as it stands right now. Yeah, man. So. I'm looking, so book one, Friends Like These, book two, Friend of a Friend, book three, Friend of the Court, book four, Friend of the Devil, and then Friend of the Bullseye is, the bullseye. is the one, in the bullseye, in the sorry bullseye. about that, in the bullseye is the one that um, you're currently working on. Uh, that's a that's a great series, and I, I like this one. I see, I'm looking at the cover. And I'm at the part where they just start mentioning what's on this cover. So I'm just in, um, I'm not very far into okay. it, yeah. but it's starting, like, it's it's starting to really grab me already, like, in the beginning pages, which I think every author, that's what they want, is to grab you in the very beginning, because all readers, they, and every writing coach that you talk to, it says you got to grab them in the beginning, or they're not going to keep reading, and it grabbed me right away, it grabbed me, and I was like, oh, and then when you just told me that, so I hope everyone listens to this podcast and hears that bit especially any of the true crime buffs or the history buffs and, and understands that, that severity around what they're going to get into and, and just uncover once they get inside the book, because it's going to be a good read. And this is on my lap already. And uh, all I'm going to do is uh, when I turn the camera off here and I'm going to put my feet up on the couch and get some of my reading time in so I'm quite excited about that. <laughs> it needs to be fun. You know, it needs to be fun for the reader. And it's fun yeah. for me to write it, but I, I've got to produce something that is going to, as you said, keep the reader interested. And when the reader's done, they're going to go, I hope. Oh, that was, that was, was worth the time. That was entertaining, maybe lightning, maybe think about something. You know, that's what you, that's the result, the effect you want to have at the end of the day. Absolutely. So, are there any other projects that you're working on other than the Joth Proctor series? Well, it wouldn't surprise you to know that I've been writing fiction, you know, all my life. And um, the Joth Proctor series is relatively new. So I've got some other stuff that um, I, 
could uh, focus on completing or tightening up a little bit and, and trying to get out there. But I don't really feel as though I want to stray away from what I'm doing here as long as it, momentum is still there and I have ideas. I don't want to step away from that to ta tackle another project. So I think I'll just keep those things in the back burner until uh, until the Jock, Pro Jock Proctor stuff runs the course, if it, if it does, before I run my course. Yeah, yeah, I think that's smart. A lot of people, um, myself included, we, we jump from project to project and never fully put enough energy into what we're doing. And sometimes you can tell when you're when you're looking at the end product. Uh, so I commend you for being able to focus because I lack focus myself and I wish mm -hmm. I could just stay, you know, and finish the course because a lot of times I'm jumping around too often and I've got so many hens in the hen house and it's too loud. It's way too mm -hmm. loud. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So where can people get a hold of you if they want to grab a copy of your book or book you for a show or, or yeah, well, find I, out more I information? Do. Yeah, I'm happy to do that sort of thing. Um, the website is jamesvirving.com, www.jamesvirving.com. You can get the book there or on Amazon or Barnes & Noble online. And Kindle or in uh, print. Awesome. Well, I've went ahead and put your website here so folks on Facebook or on YouTube can grab and they can click the link. And anyone that's going to be watching the podcast when we get it up on the uh, podcast platform will be able to hear the website as well and write it down for themselves and go and take a look at your work as well, Jim. I've had a great time talking to you. We all know what I'm going to be reading tonight. Uh, right here, Friend of the Double by James V. Irving. You guys go and check out this book. I'm having a good time reading it. You've got a little insider information as well about what you can expect. And you're going to get the book review in the April magazine of The Author's Porch, as well as snippets from this interview. And um, this is... Jim, this is your second time on the show, and hopefully when the fifth book comes out, we'll, we'll get to talk to you again. I always enjoy talking to you very much. Yeah. So is there anything that I didn't cover? Because, you know, I get to talking, and sometimes I don't shut up. So is there anything that we didn't cover that you want to make sure that you talk to your fans about before we head out for the night? I don't, I don't think so. I think we've had a good discussion. We've covered a lot of aspects of it, and I've enjoyed it. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I always, I always like to ask that question because when I get to going, sometimes I don't realize. <laughs> awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Jim, for sharing your book sure. with us, sharing your um, wonderful author career and the Joth Proctor series and the advice that you give to other authors about focusing and sticking with something to the end, because I think a lot of us need to do more of that so we can come up with final products that grab your reader from the beginning and make them follow through the entire series. So guys, make sure you come back next week. We will have another fantastic conversation. Join our writers group over on the Authors on the Porch Facebook group and make sure you grab a copy of the magazine that's coming out on April the 1st to check out the book review of Friend of the Devil by James V. Irving. Have a great night. Bye, everybody. Bye, James. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.